Hi, everybody. Welcome to IQ for You. I'm Dr. Tamara Schwartz. With me in the studio today, I have my fabulous colleague from York College of Pennsylvania, Dr. Donna Grove. She works in the sports management and media department. And today we're going to be exploring the world of esports. Now, last semester, when I saw a note go out about esports and some questions, I, I kind of knew what it was because I'd seen gaming tournaments in my favorite evening programming, whether it was an NCIS or a, a CSI or whatever it was. I don't remember, but I had kind of seen it, but I really didn't understand what it is. So the concept of esports, a.k.a. first-person shooter games, that are becoming more and more popular. Um, and today we're going to learn a little bit about that from Donna. But before we get back to that conversation, we're going to take a quick break. Welcome back. So, as I mentioned earlier, I have my good friend Donna here in the studio today. Um, Donna, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your background and how you got into this stuff? Okay. Well, thank you for having me, Tammy. And uh, like Tammy said, my name is Donna Grove, and I am a professor at your College of Pennsylvania. Um, and I teach sport management. We have a sport management sport media program. And we have recently added an eSports minor, which we're very excited about. So I, um, my career basically has been in intercollegiate athletics. In the last um, four or five years, I transitioned to teaching. So um, it's really interesting to take what we've learned in industry and translate it into the classroom. And I think it's very beneficial. So Tell me a little bit about eSports. I mean, obviously, it's got to be a big thing in sport management, or you would not have created a minor for it in the department. So what is eSports? Oh, eSports are essentially sports that you play on an electronic platform. And these platforms range from uh, your computer console to Xbox to PlayStation. There's a plethora of them out there. So um, it's a competition uh, in an electronic format, doesn't require any physical ability in terms of brawn. Uh -huh. um, so, and I think that's one of the biggest differences. So, um, so as I have been learned, part of the reason I've learned a little bit about esports is um, even though it's not a physical sport, uh, one of the things that we've found is that people's bodies are are beginning to age much too young. Right? They're they're starting to have things like sciatica and stuff from sitting in their chairs, and so. Over the break, my daughter's very envious. I bought a gamer chair. Oh, nice. Because I do, <laughs> I do have sciatica. It's from when I was deployed. And, um, and so when I found myself sitting at my desk when we went to remote teaching, I realized there was a couple of things I needed to change. One was I needed to start teaching from my kitchen counter where I could elevate my computer and I could walk around. And so, again, balancing the risk between, you know, making sure I get my job done and making sure I don't wind up in a wheelchair because I'm in a crappy chair at my desk. And so I went online and I started doing research. And it said, this is where I learned about one of the risks of too much gaming is that you can hurt your body. And so I started looking for chairs, and it said the best chair you could buy for a desk was these gamer chairs. And there's been a huge uptick in yeah. the sale of gamer chairs. I believe that. So, so what is it about gaming that would make a 15-year-old need to worry about sciatica? What is what are they doing in this gaming world? Uh, How much time are they spending? I'm glad I'm glad you're asking me that because I, in fact, have a 15-year-old who. Um, 
ended up buying his own gaming chair um, with money he got for his birthday. And um, he was so excited to get it. And previously, he had one of those little chairs that um, doesn't have arms. It's just like a, a little... I don't know what you call them, but very cheap. Anyway, mm-hmm. and I would walk into his room, and he would be hunched over, and he would complain that his neck hurt. And since he has gotten this gaming chair, um, you know, I see his. I feel like his posture is better. I feel like he hasn't complained about aches and pains. Um, and I, I just think that it, it makes the comfort, and um, it's essentially like, do you have a good pair of sneakers or do you have a bad pair of sneakers? And, um, you know, when we were little, the good pair of sneakers makes you run faster. So it's kind of the same concept. Yeah. So it's interesting. Even when we're talking about computer games and e-sports, sports always carries with it some sort of risk analysis, right? How do we weigh the benefits of what we're doing versus the benefits, uh, you know, the the risk in what we're doing? What is the good? What is the bad? How do we do the trade-offs? Right. And so um, one of the risks that I'll, 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 my mom, right? My mom is a baby boomer. My mom. (laughs) And like so many of her generation, you know, when we were kids, Donna, right, what was the fear? Oh, if we were watching too much, shoot em up on TV, we right. might all become serial killers. Right, or if you're too close to the TV, your, your, your eyes will go bad. <laughs> exactly. And so one of the fears my mom is always, oh, Tammy, don't you think those games are too violent for your kid <laughs> to be playing? And so, again, it's funny that one of the fears that we all identify in terms of risk from video games is that it's going to desensitize our kids to violence. And that may be a legitimate concern in some ways. Um, so that's one of the risks. But but this physiology thing is something that most people hadn't thought about till we started seeing kids emerge with orthopedic problems that are really much more common in 40 and 50-year-old. And so, so this this whole gamer chair thing, and then the third area of cyber, of risk in um, in gaming, which we have been starting to identify. Uh, well, actually, there's 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 two types. One is um, cybersecurity risk, which we saw with the Sony game hacks. Yes. And then the other is radicalization. Online radicalization has hap- has been happening through video gaming communities, and so. Um, I think we saw last week what's what's radicalization can result in. Right. And it's kind of scary. Um, but I think that if the gamers keep in mind that it's a game um, and they, they can, um, I guess, get back to reality of what is reality. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that there's an important balance there that has to happen. And I can't tell you who has to create that balance, but I know that in my household, I have to monitor the balance of that. So, and I think that that risky behavior is inherent to uh, the lack of balance um, in, in reality and in gaming. Yeah, and so some of the things that we have to think about, so of course I've just mentioned several things where there's risk that is not so good, right? Here's where the, here's where the negatives are. Sure. So, if all that's if that's the only thing we focus on, goodness, I would have Katie stop playing video games today, right? Yeah, but don't do that. I'm not <laughs> going to because, as we've talked about privately, and and some of what we're going to get into in the next segment is some of the skills that that people gain from being involved in the world of esports, and and some of the skills that anybody can learn when they get into this community. Um, and we are going to take a quick break, and we will get into that when we come back. 
iq for You is brought to you by CyberCon IQ, a patent-pending cybersecurity awareness learning platform that is based on behavioral science. CyberCon IQ understands that every individual's learning journey is different, so why should everyone receive the same training program? At the heart of the CyberCon IQ solution is a personal style assessment. By first understanding the workplace persona of each individual in an organization, CyberCon IQ then delivers a personally curated cybersecurity education that teaches employees to recognize the cyber threats they are most susceptible to. Visit CyberConIQ.com for more information on this revolutionary learning platform. Welcome back. Uh, we've been talking about esports, and now we've mostly been talking about the things that are potential risks of engaging in esports. And so instead of focusing on the bad now, we are going to get into if there's risk inherent in esports, what is the value of it? So, Donna, tell us a little bit about some of the skills people learn from participating in esports? Well, a lot of the skills are similar to what you would learn in um, regular sports. The difference, I think, primarily is that in regular sports, you have physical contact, whereas in esports, you don't have that physical contact. Um, but that shouldn't deter or shouldn't, um, you know, make people think that there aren't valuable skills to be gained. I think one of the um, the most important is this idea of um, mental alertness or acuity okay. and um, knowing your surroundings and what is happening and being able to recognize um, this idea of um, being able to look at the screen and uh, kind of anticipate this idea of strategy of what's going to happen next, where do I need to be. Okay, so uh, strategy, I've definitely seen a lot of. Um, my, my daughter has been playing sports, uh, eSports for a while, but she really got into it when the pandemic shut everything down. And, um, and at first I was like, she's out there playing first, shoot, first you know, my mom's voice in my head, she's playing first-person shooter <laughs> games. Oh, my God, she's going to become a serial killer. <laughs> no, not my daughter. <laughs> but when I really began to listen to the conversation going on between her and her friends, I started hearing this self-organizing teams. Yes. I started hearing this rapid problem-solving uh, clear leadership skills being built. And, and as I'm listening, I'm going, oh my gosh, my daughter is out there working in a virtual team. Absolutely. And that is another one of those skills that they gain, not only the, the mental side of it, but to be able to collaborate and to organize um, and to kind of understand and, and get in a team that you have a common goal um, and on the flip side, to also know that it's also an individual-based, what I would say, sport, where you need to have your own good eye-hand coordination. You need to kind of know spatially where your fingers are. Um, and these are things that you actually do learn in regular sports, but also mm -hmm. um, I think they're uh, emphasized more in eSports, like this idea of hand coordination. I mean, if you're a tennis player, obviously you need to have that and you need to understand how quickly things are coming at you, but it's the same thing in eSports um, and maybe a little bit um, 
uh, more emphasized with the mental acuity and the organization where in a, a regular physical sport you have the coach mm-hmm. to kind of organize you and once you're in the play or whatever then it's up to you well in esports you have to do the whole thing you have to find a team you have to know people you have to reach out which um you know in in regular sports maybe that doesn't happen as often yes yeah, so you bring up a really great point. What we're talking about is is 21st century skill set. When I whenever I'm teaching my students on the day one, I always bring up 21st century skill set and the fact that um, what people need is the ability to deal with complexity, mm-hmm. the ability to collaborate, the ability to solve rapidly changing problems on the fly. So being there in the midst of chaos and having change happen so fast and still having to be able to figure out how to leverage whatever's around you for for moving forward. And so so as I've been watching Katie play and listening to her play, I'm I'm like, well, you know what? Maybe it's <laughs> worth having her out there playing first person shooter games because I know that she's got a good moral compass and man, these skills that she's gaining are so critical and they're becoming more so every day. Right. And in those games where they have to kind of self-organize, I mean, I hear both my kids um, shoot out phrases like, and uh, shoot out like, no pun intended, (laughs) right? Um, Shoot out phrases like, uh, you got me, you got me on your back, you got me on your left. So the other player knows exactly their location and that they're being protected by a teammate. Um, And on the flip side of that, you know, there is that uh, what if you get on a bad team? And uh-huh. so I, I'm not going to try to change the topic, but there is that um, idea of um, in sport you need to have a little bit of thick skin, right? There is trash talking across the line <laughs> yeah, of there's scrimmage. Some serious trash. There talk is going some on. serious <laughs> trash talking, and I think it it may even be more trash talking in esports because there isn't that human physical person in front of you where you can see feelings. And so I think that is a risk, uh, a really big risk in esports. Like I think that um, the the ability to develop thick skin and just realize that uh, whatever it is that people are saying to you, it's not necessarily about you. Maybe it's about the performance at the time. And I think that's another conversation that um, for younger kids and even in their mid-teens that this conversation needs to happen um, from a parental point of view, I think. And so you just brought up a recurring theme that James and I bring up, which is this concept that technologically mediated interaction between humans um, can often result in us forgetting that there is a living, breathing per- person on the other side of that communication. And so it, it definitely, uh, <laughs> we've had some conversations in our house about uh, language and, and remember there's a person on the other end and, and don't talk like that, you know, this is not someone who has feelings. And, and we've had to repair feelings face to face, you know, mask to mask, <laughs> as it were, um, after after some interactions online have led to to hurt feelings um, on both sides. And right. so, yeah, that's a very yet yet again, we're bringing up that that risk that is presented by technologically mediated interaction in that we we say things that we wouldn't otherwise say, and and in sports and in competition, 
which gets very heated and you hear things even face to face on this on the athletic field that you might not otherwise hear. Right. It is that is a good point that you brought up um yeah. related to gaming. And I also think in the athletic field uh you might have a coach mediating that, but oftentimes if you're in the line of scrimmage, the only possible other person that can hear it that really will do anything about it is the official. Well, in esports there are no officials, right? No, you're it's offici- a free for all. Yeah, it's a free for all. <laughs> you either you win the game or you're trash. (laughs) (laughs) And that's, yeah, that that was one of the expressions I learned uh, from my daughter is bot, you're a bunch of trash. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, that's hilarious. Bot, you're a bot. Yeah. Our household, uh, everything is trash around our household if you're you're not perfect at a game. And you're toxic. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Everybody's toxic nowadays. And, And almost to the point where the word toxic has kind of lost a lot of its power toxicity (laughs) (laughs) if i knew how to work the buttons i'd have picked the give uh, me a sound on there but (laughs) anyway so um what else do we want to talk about related to esports? What well, would you? I mean, I think we want to recognize that esports is uh, a growing industry, and there's lots of opportunities for participation in esports. Um, and um, uh, I, I recently saw that esports is going to surpass the 1.5 billion dollar mark uh, in the next year or two. That's humongous and if you compare it to uh you know physical real sports um you know we're in line and um i would say that esports gives kids and people an opportunity to continue to be active um in uh, a competition and i would say not only in your teens but well after your teens and there's research that shows that um, the majority of East uh, people who play not maybe not majority, but it's about a uh, 40, 47 to 60 percent of gamers are, you know, over the age of 18. Yep. And so people are playing. And and if we look even further, those who are over the age of 30, it's about a third of them, both male and female. Yeah, that's what I thought I read recently that um, that it was like over 35. So there was it's funny that we're having this conversation today because in The New York Times today, there was an article about the fact that gaming is becoming it, it is surpassing music in terms of its impact on pop culture. Oh, that's crazy. And that was in the newspaper today. So um, it was talking about um, the industry being, I was just sitting here scrolling through my phone looking for the, the stats on on how well, how much money it is. But I thought it was something like $20 billion or something. Well, and I believe that today. too because of the access of it. You know, you get a... You get a, a machine, you could do it on your computer, you can, um, you know, gaming is starting to move mobily on phones at this point. So, you know, the access of being able to play games, um, there's apps, there's all kinds of things that you can do. And um, I, I think that, you know, this ability and this access to gaming only lends itself. And the nice part is that these games also have music incorporated. So they're getting both. Right. Yeah. And then they're spending 
especially right now, because one of the challenges with the pandemic is how do your kids find a place to go and socialize? And so when we were kids after school, I don't know about you, but we used to just go run around in the neighborhood. Yeah, We had this, um, we lived on a, in an old farm and there was this bell on the property. And so my, my brother and I, we'd just, we'd be out in the woods at the train tracks at the Creek. I mean, it wouldn't matter where we were. My mom would call us home for dinner by going out and ringing the dinner bell, literally. Right. Yeah. (laughs) So we'd come from whatever part of the neighborhood. And, and nowadays, uh, and I I was reading an article about this where a parent was beginning to understand exactly the value of, of these games because it freaked her out that her son was always coming home and, and sitting down at the computer and one day it suddenly dawned on her that what was really going on was his her son was going and meeting his friends on the playground. Yeah. It's just that the playground has moved into cyberspace. Yes, it totally has. And um, just the other day, I, was it two nights ago, I heard a whole bunch of yelling. And I'm like, what is going on? <laughs> so, you know, and I'm like, who are you playing with? And here my kids are playing with like their best friends, both of them in different rooms, both of them yelling about something. And I'm like, are, and probably the three headed monster headed towards them with an ax. Right, right. <laughs> and their best friends, cousins. And so it becomes even a bigger social circle for them. And so when they do see each other, I feel like the, the connection is um, even a deeper connection in many ways where you get to experience like what we talked about this idea of being on a team and strategizing together and working together towards a common goal all these things that you know if I met you and your cousins at a pool party I probably wouldn't have the opportunity to get to know you in that way so it it is really interesting Um, and I think on the flip side if we're talking about risk as well is that uh, we risk um, w- while we're developing this, we risk the inability to communicate face to face. Right. So yeah. maybe not the inability, but it becomes um, less comfortable because we're so used to, you know, having a barrier between us. Exactly. Yeah. So on that note, um, we still have lots more to talk about related to gaming, but I think we're going to have to save it for a second episode. Oh, fun. And uh, and especially because we have daughters. And <laughs> so um, we're going to wrap it up now. And just uh, our, user, our uh, listeners, I always like to remind our listeners that we would really like to hear from you. Um, if you have any questions, if you have any comments on what you've um, what you've heard us talking about, uh, send us an email, or even better yet, if you can send us an audio file, you can email us at iq for you at cyberconiq.com. And so, until the next time on IQ for You, keep your game on against the con. This episode of IQ for You is produced by me, Chris Perez, and special thanks to our co-hosts. All rights are reserved for this podcast to Cybercon IQ Inc listen to this podcast for free on any of your favorite platforms or by visiting us at cyberconiq.com.